Hey there, John here. We are so glad you're listening to the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. If you're new to the show, I hope you find something here you'll enjoy and that gives you a reason to come back. If you've been listening for a little while or a long while, as is the case with so many of you, I want to ask a favor. Would you consider introducing us to just one friend this week? There's really no better method of advertising than word of mouth. Pick a friend who shares your sense of humor or interests, even if they don't know what a podcast is, and tell them why our show has become a regular listening for you. And be bold. Help them get a podcast app on their phone and walk them through how to subscribe to the show. We love that you're here and would greatly appreciate your recommendation. Thanks for your time. Now, let's get on with the show. What's up, Gen Xers? I am Stu Monkey, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, because they're the raddest thing since Max Hedrum. You should totally support them, too, by visiting patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners to episode 79 of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Mo is here. Hey, everybody. Coming up in this episode, we'll discuss the premiere of the HBO Monster Show set in Jim Crow era America, test drive a new portable handheld retro gaming platform, and find out what happens when those little green army men engage in tactical warfare. And while this may <laughs> seem tactical, it was total coincidence that we have two fourth listeners both named Tom today. Wow, segue. Wow. Kind of forced, wasn't it? That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's a- not a good one. <laughs> I noticed nobody said like, nice segue. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not giving you that one. But we do have two fourth listeners both named Tom today. First one comes from Tom J. And the subject line of his email was one hit wonders of the 70s. Ah, okay. uh-huh. yeah, we got a lot of feedback on that. Tom says, great episode. I wanted to recommend this one hit wonder from the 70s. My ding-a-ling. That was definitely a <laughs> 70s unique theme hit. Now, I, I kind of think I remember that. Do you know my? I definitely I, know my dingaling. Here's wow. the thing. Oh, yeah. First, okay, that's a, that's the wrong way okay. to say that. George, George, stop. Listen, <laughs> it's been a while for him, George. I mean, come on. <laughs> so my dingaling was one of those novelty songs that I had on dumb ditties or one of those KTL Ronco things. If, if I backed the junk food junkie, you know I would back my dingaling if I could. The <laughs> yeah. problem is. <laughs> Just get a sentence out, George. Jesus. <laughs> We're a little juvenile. I can't help it. The problem it. is, it's by Chuck Berry. So how that could not be a one-hit wonder. That's the thing, right? Because Chuck Berry right. is prolific and very successful. Yeah, and yeah, in many, yeah, many yeah, hits. Absolutely. Yeah. So while I agree with you, Tom, I love my dingaling. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, we're trying to be good here. here. Come on, we're trying to be, we're mature adults, okay? (laughs) But there's, (laughs) yeah, there's no way it could be on the one hit wonders because Chuck Berry was awesome, but. Well, I think too, he ends it by saying it was a unique theme hit, which that it definitely is. It sure is. is. Yeah. Just not a one hit wonders. That's why it didn't hit our, uh, our seventies list. Our second Tom, though, is Tom C. That's Thomas, one of our patrons, uh, Patreon supporters, right? Oh, cool. Hey, Tom. And uh, Tom writes in and says, 
crowd noise question mark mm-hmm. tom says hi guys quick question while many of us are glad to see live sports return to tv and george you talked about this a few episodes ago and kind of how they're they're dealing with live sports again without uh, without the crowds being there oh yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. tom says i'm curious to know what you think about crowd noise being artificially added to major league <laughs> baseball games and while we're at it what about the cardboard cutouts in the stands like it Hate it. I know George will have an opinion. Let's have it. <laughs> all right, George, just so you get started. Yeah, please. Just, by all means. You want me to start? <laughs> and maybe finish. So the crowd noise, I think, is absolutely essential to my enjoyment of the game. I've watched some of these games in these different sporting events, especially, I don't know why I've been getting into Major League Soccer lately, and they have about half their games they had with crowd noise and about half of them without. And the ones with crowd noise were much more enjoyable. The ones without, it's mainly the players and the coaches just shouting at each other the whole time. That's what you're really hearing over the Mm, announcers. The cardboard cutouts? eh, (laughs) I would think that if you can be high-tech enough to figure out what type of crowd noise to put in in what scenes you could figure out a better way to represent your fans than cardboard cutouts <laughs> you know a lot of them are doing virtual fans some of them are doing these giant screen tv things in the stands themselves mm-hmm. where people can share their live stream with oh, the right, organization right, yeah, right. and then they post it on there but i think it's essential because sports are fun but professional sports don't operate in a vacuum you need the fans in order to make them to legitimize the sport. That's kind of what the point. I mean, especially with professional sports, it's about, you know, your, your locality's pride. You know, it's based in a, in a particular region. It's in mm-hmm. a town or, you know, a county or whatever that's in your state. They exist to hype up that area and their fans and the fans reciprocate by, you know, cheering them on and, and giving them motivation and stuff. And the crowd noise is essential. But, you know, the, the cardboard cutouts, I love when they do goofy stuff. Like I've seen a cutout of uh, uh, Weekend at Bernie's, the Bernie guy, oh, right? Yeah. Like glasses right. and a hat and he's in the stands. <laughs> when they do goofy stuff, but that's almost like Easter egg. That's not really the Okay, point, I'll right? go a little geeky here for a second. I actually listened to this podcast where they actually analyzed the, the adding the sound and if it made a difference. Really? And what was what they they say well they said one issue they said with adding the fake sa- crowd sounds is that they don't react properly to what's going on on the field mm, i'm gonna disagree with that no they say they try to but especially if like if every cheer for a good goal is exactly the same it basically becomes background noise eventually is what they were saying because especially to the players because if they hear the same exact mm. yay every well, single time still better than silence right and it's it's not for <laughs> the players it's for the other people watching the sport it's for my benefit well the players hear it too though actually i think it's more beneficial to me as a fan watching the sport than it is to the players playing the activity because having been on both sides of that equation when you're playing oftentimes if you're in the zone you're not even aware of the people around you you're really just focused in on what you're doing so you think though that means it's at least for the athletes if if what you say is true it's kind of a a null sum right it's like it doesn't hurt hurt doesn't help yeah but it is helping the uh, the fans and the audience so so in general i think we're kind of coming to a consensus that it's kind of a good thing but it's it's still not the same, but it's essential to have something there, yeah? <laughs> Except they said one place that not having fans is making a difference is that the home field advantage kind of goes away. Oh, yeah. That I'll give them. Yeah, that's true. No kidding. And there's a, quite a few less fights in the stands at <laughs> soccer games now, I've noticed. <laughs> Unless there's a wind and the cardboard's cutouts all jumble up in the, in the aisles, right? Okay, now if that happens, their viewership will go up a lot. <laughs> Listen, if George can enjoy marble racing, we can enjoy cardboard cutout fights. I think that's also... Hell yeah, we let's can. Let's get a channel started oh, right yeah. away. We need to start that. So. Oh, man, we're on that. <laughs> well, Tom, you were right. 
George definitely had some solid opinions about that. Tom winds it up by saying, thanks for making me smile every time I press play on the podcast. Oh, that's great. Your faithful fourth and Patreon supporter, Tom. (laughs) Yes, he is. And uh, we appreciate you writing in both Toms, Tom J and Tom C. We love it every time the fourth listener writes in. If you would like your email read on the show, just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one of them. Most of them make the show. All right, George, Mo, you guys ready to get into this show? Let's do it. Sure. All right, let's hit it. Guys, for the last few weeks, we have been checking out Factors ready-made meals. Now, they tell us that eating better is easy with their delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, ready to go in two minutes. All that is great. It wouldn't matter if it didn't taste good. So mm-hmm. I've, we've, I've had several. I've been eating them every couple of nights. I'll try one of these Factor meals. And then I had this turkey chili, and wow, was that good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my fiancé is vegetarian. Vegan, actually. So I went with the, yes. with the vegetarian option. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You did for the whole box. Okay. Yep, for the whole box. You know, because they have like over 35 different options you can choose from like every single week. Mm-hmm. So I went with the vegan option or the vegetarian option. And let me tell you, they were pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Matter of okay. fact, she yeah. stole half of them. One to start with. Wow. <laughs> she took so. them from you? Yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> wife and I have been trading out saying, oh, you try this and you try this and check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was surprisingly good. And again, like I didn't realize that even that some of these that were even vegetarian, I didn't even know that. Didn't even know. Wow. Hmm. So what's really cool, though, is that if you want to add something extra to all these different meal choices that mm-hmm. you're talking about, there's like 60 different add-ons to help you get going <laughs> and feel good basically all day long. And I don't mean mm-hmm. just like like an extra side or something like that. Like there's a whole bunch of breakfast add-on meals that you can add on to your subscription, not add on yeah. to the right, dinner yeah. meal, but like mm-hmm. to add to your meal plan for the day. And mm. I just think it's it's really awesome that they give you all these different choices so that you're not just tied into just dinner or just lunch. Having breakfast mm-hmm. as part of one of these meal plans is, I think, kind of unique. I haven't seen that before in any of these meal yeah. delivery services. So I don't know what everybody's waiting for. It's time to get started <laughs> and get after your goals right now. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant quality meals are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Pancakes and smoothies? Yes, please. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast midday bites and more factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping or cooking or even cleanup required just throw it in the trash when you're done get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week plus you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time let me say if you're looking for something fast with premium options factor is the perfect solution for you You guys know I'm the spreadsheet guy. I have done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every single meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Just head over to factormeals.com slash genx50 and use code genx50 to get 50% off. That's code genx50 at factormeals.com slash genx50 to get 50% off. 
get the ball rolling with media as we always do right here at the top of the show things we are picking up either uh, movies and theaters that are actually starting to reopen by the way yeah. tv shows or comics or music whatever it might be uh and i want to start with you george something that uh, you were looking forward to last time we spoke is a new series on netflix mm-hmm. yeah high score and yeah. it did mm-hmm. get released i've watched four and a half of the six episodes the only reason why i haven't finished is because i'm kind of saving it a little bit because i get that i'm afraid to watch it all the way through and have the firefly thing of not having anything else to watch yeah for that series because it's been really good. This is a documentary series that highlights the beginnings and the origins and the struggles and the stories of early video game creation, not just in the arcade, but at consoles, the different types of artists. It tells a story every time. I've noticed that each one of the 45 minute episodes seems to have like three storyline throughputs throughout the episode, Mm -hmm. which is really unique and different. And I like that. Then at the same time, they kind of wind up the episode to foreshadow the next episode, which seems to be it makes it feel more like it's one long documentary instead of six single episodes like some other documentary series do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've just really enjoyed it. They have focused on some stuff that I already knew, but a lot of stuff that I didn't, which, you know, for the three of us was really surprising for me. I was like, how much more are you going to teach me that, you know, (laughs) stuff that I grew up with, but they've got a lot of good stories in there. Yeah. I caught the first three episodes and I didn't watch the rest because basically I had to go to sleep because I had to work next day. (laughs) But because otherwise I would have watched all because you said, I mean, it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And the thing that got me was like, like, so he's like, exactly like you, George. Some of the things I definitely knew, some I didn't. One thing I didn't know, which I felt really stupid not knowing this, is that Space Invaders, the monsters, were squids. Yeah. You shouldn't have felt stupid. He never really talked about that before. It's, it's almost like he revealed it in this documentary, or maybe nobody asked yeah. him. But yeah, he thought it was like H.G. Wells were the world's kind of long-legged monsters, and he kind of thought they were sea creatures. But when he said squid, uh, looking at the Space Invaders screen, like, I'm like, oh yeah. Of course. Yeah, like squids <laughs> and crabs yeah. and everything. Yeah. But what was funny to me was, it was more apparent that that was what their designs were in the Atari 2600 version than it is in the arcade yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you look at the 2600 version, they looked like squids. And we used to make fun of how they look like sea creatures. And now I'm like, well, shit, that's what <laughs> it was supposed to be. be. Damn it. <laughs> I also like that story that how he didn't want to be shooting people. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's just a fascinating series. And I'm, I'm like enjoying every episode. I was tickled so to death. It's like the first voice that you hear in the first episode is my buddy Howard Scott Warshaw. Mm-hmm. And I actually, yeah. so humble brag, I'm actually genuine Facebook friends with Howard Scott Warshaw. As soon as I saw that, I messaged him and I said, I was excited to see that you were the first voice I heard. And he was actually the last voice you hear at the end. And and they talk a great deal really? about really? his experience at Atari. They did. One, like episode two, I think. Well, first yeah. of all, he was hip deep in it. So. Oh, yeah. 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 I like how they focus on the individuals, like I said, and they have the three different stories throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's different for me. Usually you have an A line and a B line on the stories, right? Yeah. But to focus three stories and to give them each equal time in 45 minutes, that was just really nice. I mean, some of them were about a maybe a video game player who was going for a championship. And then there was this other guy who was a designer and he drew out these characters after somebody had already created the game right yeah oh just so much fun really well done series and i hope they find a way to continue the series to give us more stories because when we talk about documentaries yeah the subject matter is interesting and intriguing to us but it's the stories it's the people it's the connections that make the difference and this one did that so effortlessly and so beautifully that i want to see more yeah, of absolutely it. and in a lot of ways a lot of the things in this documentary some things i didn't know clearly but a lot of things you do know and certainly we do because of our background 
around, you know, kind of following arcade games and video gaming and that kind of thing. But when I see those things reinforced first, I'm like, hey, I'm actually accurate. I did remember that. Right. So it kind of reinforces your knowledge. Yeah. And then it adds like color and flavor around. You get to know the people around the kind of the facts that you already knew. And that extra layer is what I really enjoyed in it in getting to kind of see and meet these people that revolve like you. You hear about, you know, the Space Invaders champion. But then you have this story about how she went to the events and the experience oh, yeah. she had and that kind of thing. Right. And that adds kind of more that human element to the knowledge that I have. And it really kind of enhances the, the kind of the hobby. Yeah. I thought it was so adorable when she finishes her that round. She's like, oh, is this a good score? Yeah. Is this good? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it's good enough. Yep. Well, because back then that's how it was. It's not like you had the internet to tell you it was a great yeah, score. No kidding. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I, you were just playing in a bubble yeah. and then you went to play with a bunch of people like, is this good or uh, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, John, as good as that series is, I'm really, really curious about the title <laughs> of the series you listed in our card. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm just I don't know how here. this is something that you want to watch. I'm not sure what it's about, but can you explain to us oh. what you have selected for the media segment this week? Hold on, I got to make sure I don't giggle. Okay, when he says this. all right, oh, wait, yeah, go. I would like to speak about a film called An American Pickle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so American Pickle is a film that's on HBO Max. I think it's an original film for them. Uh, it just was released back at the beginning of August, and it stars Seth Rogen. Ah, okay. And the concept is. It, it starts out as like a science fiction movie kind of thing, but then it turns into something else. <laughs> okay. So the, the description they have is that preserved in pickle brine for a hundred years, an Orthodox Jewish factory worker wakes up in New York City and tracks down his great grandson. And that pretty well summarizes. What the fuck? Yeah. So now, now let me let me give you the John explanation of this film. So that that is the craziest scenario for a man out of time story I think I've ever heard. Holy hell! So he's literally pickles. Seth Rogen plays this guy Herschel and it starts in 1920 right and he's an immigrant and he has the, a wife and he has this great job working at a, at a pickle factory and he's chasing <laughs> rats up in the uh, kind of the rafters he slips and falls into a giant vat of pickle brine and at that moment they come down and shut down the entire plant and put the lid on the pickle but like they didn't know he was there right <laughs> I assume. <laughs> did, did he get knocked out when he fell in the barrel? Is that why he didn't pop up immediately and say, hey, I'm fucking in here? That's your poking holes. Stop poking holes in the plot. That's uh, <laughs> that's a question I had, too, but it's largely irrelevant. It's just a plot device because then 100 years later, this abandoned factory ostensibly not touched for 100 years, I guess. Which would happen in New York, right, Mo? Oh, yeah, always. These kids come in and they take the lid off the thing and he pops up out of it like he's the Joker coming out of the vat, you know, in Batman. So when they figure out he's 100 years old or has been enshrined in this pickle brine for 100 years, he has one descendant named Ben, also played by Seth Rogen. Okay. And Ben is just like a regular Joe Schmo. He's like an aspiring mobile app developer and he kind of lives in an apartment. And he's basically, he's every Seth Rogen character you've ever seen. He's like kind of a schlub. He's kind of well-meaning, but he's kind of a slacker. He's basically, he's Seth Rogen, right? Okay. And so Herschel, of course, was an immigrant who came to this country, you know, amazing things for his descendants 
and he's finding out that his only descendant is kind of he's given up on his Jewish faith and he doesn't like go to the family plot and visit his ancestors. And so it's kind of like this, the clash of culture, right? So it's like uh, how Herschel grew up and how he was trying to make things great for his descendants and change his family's life. And then he gets to see his family a hundred years later and find out what's going on. And so it turns into more of kind of an awakening kind of a experience for the younger, uh, I guess they're the same age, but the not a hundred years in pickle brine version of Seth Rogen. (laughs) So we haven't heard yet. Uh, Did you even like this? Because we've gone on a long time about the description and haven't said whether you liked it or not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I think I was getting to there with my explanation that it starts as one thing and ends with another, right? So I was kind of expecting a Seth Rogen, a hundred years out of time, awkward guy in the 21st century kind of movie. And he kind of acclimates rather quickly and I didn't get that. So it's probably, it's one of those things I've said many times, it's probably better than it deserved to be for this original Seth Rogen, you know, weird concept kind of show. But you kind of have to go in knowing what it is because it was a little bait and switch. You expect this one thing and get something else. I did enjoy it, but not for the reasons I expected to going in. I'm not sure you're convinced that you enjoyed it. I'm not sure it, I'm convinced even either. That so <laughs> was kind of me. I don't know that I would go back and watch it again, if that's fair. But I don't want that time back. I didn't feel like I wasted my time. <laughs> Uh, okay. So I'm going to put it right in the middle of the road. I would give it like two and a half tokens. Not good, not bad, not amazing. You know, if it's a rainy day and there's nothing else going on, you've already read all your comic books, George, maybe you'll watch American Pickle. <laughs> it's cute and it's Seth Rogen and he's actually acting a bit. So oh. you got that going for it. But okay. Mo, how about you? I know you were looking forward to something that really <laughs> touched on some uh, some themes that you enjoy in fiction. Oh, yeah. Tell us what you watched. For me, this was, you know, it was one of those shows that you hear about and you have to kind of manage your expectations a little okay. bit. Because it sounds too good to be true kind of thing. <laughs> so I was thinking like, okay, it's a show created by Jordan mm-hmm. Peele, right? That's a plus right there, right? Jordan Peele is also one of the executive producers along with J.J. Abrams. So again, ah, okay, awesome, right? Good pedigree starting right off there. It has some great actors in it, you know, like Journey Smollett, who was in like Harley Quinn, and she was she played Black Canary in that. Uh, Courtney Vance, I'm sure people know the him. I mean, like some really great actors. Okay, this was amazing buildup. What is the name of the show? Yes, it's called <laughs> it's called Lovecraft Country. It's on HBO, and it's a series set in 1950s America, mid Midwest America, about Jim Crow specifically. Mm-hmm. You no know, Jim Crow yep. America. Throw in there some H.P. Lovecraft monsters. Why? (laughs) Because it actually fits. Really? They managed to make this into a story, which is pretty amazing. It also, I mean, it's good because it goes to a lot of what it was like to live in Jim Crow America, especially in the Midwest. Sure. The guys running around and things like, you know, as they're traveling, because they're traveling to get to Chicago, as they're traveling, they're like, can we eat there? We're not sure. Mm -hmm. Is this a good place? You know, is this a safe town? Is this not a safe town? Yeah, yeah. And then in the middle of all this, suddenly in the woods, these Lovecraftian creatures come out and attack people. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, and it and it fits. It actually fits, and it fits though. It actually fits. Huh. Does it though? <laughs> yeah, it because does. this no. doesn't sound like it does. It, it actually it's, does because they do a good job of hinting around it at the beginning and giving a lot of kind of like premonition things to make so that when it comes, you're not like, where did this come from? Like, it doesn't come out of like left field. And while they don't explicitly talk about it directly, they do give you enough little like little omens, little signals that you're like, okay, this is not like a normal with quotes around it world. 
like it's not like America that I know, you know. And the acting and stuff is also is pretty amazing in it. As of this point, only this one episode has come out because they're doing the stupid weekly thing instead of binging, which is <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, I got so used to that. But in a way, though, I'm not unhappy about that either because I feel like I'm looking forward to something now. Yeah. Looking forward to the next episode. So to George's point, when I heard this was coming up, and you're like, those things really go together. My concern. So you've watched the first episode, obviously. So yes. my concern when I heard about it was. These are two topic points that deserve their own attention and they don't really fit together and do themselves, do each other any justice. Because on one hand, there looks like there's a socially relevant cultural commentary to be said about the racial divide and that kind of thing. And then there is, how do you do a good kind of monster show and a monster movie and that kind of a thing? And it's almost like, I can't imagine how they fit together and don't they do each other a disservice because one distracts or detracts from the other? Not do really. they manage I mean, that? Really? I think they do because, huh. I mean, think about the whole Jim Crow America thing. That was just the situation. That's normal. So think of it as like one of these shows that has like, oh, you think everything's no like almost like a Harry Potter, right? You have the normal world and you have the wizarding world, okay. right? Yeah. And this one, the normal world happens to be Jim Crow America. America. So we're kind of just putting that as the backdrop. That's the, back, putting yeah, the, that's the backdrop. Putting the monster story in front of. Right. Okay. And because these people are black in Jim Crow America, they're dealing with it. So it's part of their norm. Again, it's not like they're doing this and this is like abnormal to them. This is totally normal to them. Of course. Yeah. And so when it says it's oh. normal to them, what's abnormal to them now is this Lovecraft thing that kind of comes out of nowhere. Or the monsters that come out of the woods. Right. And Jordan Peele, <laughs> he keeps impressing me every time, you know, with all his projects now. You know, and this one in particular, it's like he does do that job of kind of balancing those two, like he does in his movies of kind of balancing that social thing with this supernatural or science fiction or this other thing that kind of lays on top of it. And I think it's so far from the first episode, it seems very successful. I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. I'm intrigued, but I'm not sold. Uh, George, what about you? I mean, you, you've heard this. I, we heard you go, are you sure? That kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, a telltale sign of a good story is how easy it is to explain to other people. And forgive me, Mo, you're struggling quite a bit to explain this to us and our listeners. So I'm not sure if it's something that's going to be cohesive or narrative. Maybe it is. And I just need to watch it for myself because maybe it's just one of those unique things that it's really good, but it's also hard to explain. That's very And I'll possible, say it's not right? just Mo. I had trouble describing it in the teaser for the show. Like, how do I summarize this in like a sentence? I wasn't sure. And I get that you're saying, Mo, that the Jim Crow America stuff is the background, is the mm -hmm. setting, is the backdrop. However, they made a point to put it in that time period. So it's got to have a little bit more weight more relevance. than yeah, just yeah. being a background and just being a setting. I guess it's kind of like it, it is showing that as part of like this is their normal life. You know, and that the reason why they did that maybe is because and again, I'm, I'm guessing because I haven't seen the other episodes. Sure. Yeah. Is that, you know, here are people who are used to dealing with adversity all the time. And now they're being basically just facing, I think, a different type of adversity, but they're not going to be the typical like, oh, my God, just scream and run away because they're used to dealing with this kind of stuff. Maybe not this particular kind of Stuff. Right. Yeah. Maybe not monsters. Maybe right. not monsters, but they are used to dealing with living in a society that is against them. So hmm. to me, I, I I do see how this works. Uh, again, I'm kind of okay. curious to see how it is. And, and a lot of it is I do have a lot of faith in Jordan Peele and what he's done. Yeah. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's just we, we just need to watch it. Maybe I have to give it a chance and see. Because, give it a shot. Uh, Don't be disappointed. I, yeah. Yeah. OK. So this is Lovecraft Country on HBO. It's a couple of HBOs now and one Netflix. Well, thank goodness for the streaming services or we would have nothing in media for the last like six months, would we? It'd be terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just for the rock of it, just for the roll of it. Diet Coke. Just for the look of it, just for the kick of it, the real cola taste of it. Diet Coke. Just for the joy of it. 
Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Okay, so we're back to tech and toys. I got nothing. So, <laughs> did Lovecraft Country just take it all out of you this week? <laughs> you know, you I was trying to come up, to... <laughs> I can't wrap my head. You know, trying to figure out how to explain something that. Well, I just, yeah, I just told my it's brain tough. just went. Yeah. I'm just, I got nothing. So, George, <laughs> I'm hoping you got something. <laughs> I do. I think I do. I'm not really sure. There's this new piece of technology, and it brings back all these Lovecraftian monsters. And I'm just kidding. No, I'm no, just no, kidding. No. Let's, let's not no, do I'm that. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love collecting things as both of you do as well, right? We collect different oh, yeah. pop vinyls or comic books or all kinds of Obsessively, stuff. Obsessively. One yeah. of the things that I've collected that was kind of born out of my youth are flattened pennies. I know you guys remember going to a theme park or maybe yeah. a special food destination <laughs> or a roadside attraction somewhere. And they would have one of those machines where you put two quarters and a penny in it. You oh, yeah, push yeah. the slot in. You start cranking the wheel on the, the side. The hand and it would just spit out this flattened penny with an image on it that related to wherever you were at. Right. Yes. Yes. Sure. I love flattened pennies. I don't know why. There's no reason for it, but I just love flattened pennies. And I have probably maybe 60, maybe 80 really? different flattened pennies. Yeah. Because wow, anywhere man. I go, I have to get the flattened penny from wherever we're at if I see one of those machines. I have often had trouble displaying my flattened pennies. I had been gluing them to boards and hanging them on walls, but it, it just didn't look good. I found these little things called the Penny Passport on Amazon, and they're these little <laughs> trifold little coin collecting booklets that you can slide the pennies in under these little plastic clear slots, and they're specially sized for flattened pennies, which is right, really nice. Oh, yeah. They're kind of a weird oval shape, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I've definitely seen those. And yeah. so I was like, oh, that's so awesome. And then I'm looking at a book. Look at all these extra spaces I have in these books now. I need to fill them up. <laughs> How am I going to get more flattened pennies? Where am I going to find them? You know, I bet there's a website somewhere that has a list of flattened penny machines. Guess what? Pennycollector.com oh does exist. Of there course. Is one. Of course. And it is as fleshed out and as large a database as you remember those collector cups database that we found when yeah. we were talking about the collector yeah. glasses. Yeah, of course. It's the same thing and more so. Not only does it tell you, okay, go to Disney World and go to this attraction and you'll find this flattened penny machine. Wow. It tells you what the pennies are that are in the machine at the time. They show you which ones have been retired. They give you wow. a map that oh, you can geez. look on to find <laughs> Holy it. Holy moly. Wow. It's incredible. Dedication. Man. Wow. I love this site. I have been obsessively on this site probably two times a day, every day since I found it for the last week and a half. Just exploring? Just exploring. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, there's like four flattened penny machines here in my hometown. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> yeah. And were they accurate? Have they you tried to go accurate. to those places? Yes. Wow. They're wow. accurate. You've actually acquired new flattened pennies I since you discovered this site. <laughs> I love this thing and i know it's stupid i know it's silly oh, i know there's way sillier, not a lot of people me. are gonna <laughs> want to talk about flattened pennies from our podcast listeners You'll be surprised it turns out the people that run this website they're one of the two major manufacturers of those machines in the world it makes sense okay but the database is apparently filled in not just by them but also by people like myself who love flattened pennies and say nice. oh there's this machine over here because there's two or three different companies it doesn't matter which company built the machine they're proudly listing them all 
Wow. Wow. Okay, I have a question. Yes. Were you able to locate all of your existing pennies in this website? Yes. Every single one of them is on the website. Really? Wow. Yep. Holy moly. Yep. Wow. And a lot of them are retired because a large oh. portion of my collection is from Disney. And Disney swaps their dies out quite often. Uh, they yeah. do it for different movies that are coming out or oh, of uh, course, yeah. they change out the character ones. George is the guy that walks up to the penny machine with a roll of quarters and a roll of pennies. I do. And there's a line of kids behind him crying. He's like, sorry, kids. I absolutely do it. You, you talk about like uh, people interested. I have like a million questions. I'm gonna have to ask you later about this, but because <laughs> 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 this is like to me, I don't know, for some reason, this is incredibly fascinating. But one thing I did know about the penny thing is that they actually have to get special permission from the government mm-hmm. to do this because you're because destroying you're currency currency that's right yeah well because kids were doing it from years this is really born out of train tracks mm-hmm. right when kids were right. young especially my father and his age when they were yeah as the trains would go by they would lay the pennies on the train track and the train would flatten them and they and oh i got them. a flattened yep. penny that's so cool and then from there people started saying well let's put a design on it they actually have a whole historical thing on the website that talks about the first ones being from like 18 something or other really wow yeah from like World's Fair type of place or something. It's Neat. really Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Huh. That's very cool. Well, they probably didn't have a nice machine then. They probably just had a guy there in a, you know, a sledgehammer. <laughs> He's pounding him out for you. <laughs> I probably have 60 to 80 of them too, but I couldn't tell you where any mm-hmm. two of them are. They're scattered <laughs> around in places. Give them, find them and give them to me. I'll put them in one of these penny passports. and I'll tell you, everyone that I find from now on is coming to you, George. Awesome. <laughs> it's coming to your collection. <laughs> well, that's what I've been messing around with in Tech and Toys. John, I know Mo is a little behind on this, so do you yeah, have something yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> I mean, the pay thing was cool, though. I have to admit, I'm, I'm, that <laughs> it, was cool. It was. I wanted to recap something that we've been covering on the YouTube channel, but I wanted to talk just a little bit, a bit about here because we have not talked together about it so much. And that is, we talk a great deal about retro video games, mm-hmm. you know, the great arcade mm-hmm. classics and the early console stuff. And we had an opportunity to review a brand new handheld console. Think of like a Nintendo DS or a PlayStation Portable, a PSP. Uh, this new thing come out from Blaze Electronics called the Evercade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you've probably seen the video oh, on yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't, you know, Mo will throw a link down in the yep. uh, show notes, I'm sure, to the videos we've done. But the concept is interesting. It is essentially just a rechargeable handheld device, got a screen, has controls on it. But rather than buying a game for this, as you often will, go buy Pac-Man, go buy Donkey Kong or something, right? What they're doing- like the thing just being dedicated to that one game. That's right. Like many of them we've done. What they're doing is on this platform, you buy, hey, cartridges. Remember those? We used to buy cartridges for things. So (laughs) they make cartridges that are collections of publishers. This logically kind of makes sense from a business standpoint. It isn't NES games. It's, hey, we got licensed from Namco or we got licensed from Interplay. And so we can now bundle several of their games together. And so when you buy one of the cartridges, it is essentially a collection of anywhere from six to 20 different games from that publisher. Regardless of what those games were on, you mean? Like, that's right. Some of the games might be on the 2600, some of them might be on an Nintendo, it could be absolutely that kind of a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. like so there's an Atari collection, right? And the Atari collection has a first party Atari games, but you have like Food Fight for the Atari 7800, mm, Adventure okay, for the Atari 2600. Okay. So you have all those sorts of things. And it's really clever. It's not 100% what you might want. And when I did the review of it, I actually liked everything about it except the screen. Sounds yeah. fantastic. Controls are fantastic. 
I like the cartridge base that's collectible. It's bringing out games that maybe you haven't seen before, enjoyed. And one of them actually I'm going to talk about in our game segment a little bit later that I found here. But it's an interesting thing and it's actually picking up traction. It's getting quite a big fan base and it only makes sense. Kind of hot on the heels of, you know, what are these arcade one-up things and giant three-quarter size cabinets you could fit in your house <laughs> that, hey, why not do something like that to fit in your hand? And it's kind of doing well. Cool. Yeah, I saw your review of the video review of it and I was really impressed with just, it seemed like it was just a well-built thing too. Like the way the cartridge fits in, it made it seem like a whole thing. Like it didn't, you know, it just seemed like they put a lot of thought into the design. Industrial design is is great, yeah. I was very impressed with the fact that they've done something that a lot of the other ones haven't done and that's that they made the gameplay modular. Most of these things that you get that have collections built into them, they're hard-coded in there and the only way to get new things into it is by you going out and getting Buy another an one. SD yeah. card maybe to load some stuff on or buying another one like you said but in this case they've built into the system a way for you to expand the library easily and it's not only expanding the library but it's a throwback to the way that people used to expand their own yeah, personal exactly. game libraries by collecting yep, yep, cartridges yep. which we haven't <laughs> right. done and I loved John how you pointed out those inserts that are in those cases that are really nicely put together and well thought out I mean like you said in one of the videos it's like a miniature coffee table book on those games. I loved that. That made, yeah. I almost want to go out and just buy the cartridges. I don't necessarily <laughs> even care about the console <laughs> because I can play that stuff anywhere, but I'd like the cartridges and the cases and the inserts. It's very respectful to the original source material. I mean, they're giving it some reverence and like, hey, here's why it was important and here's what's cool about it. And I think all of those positives, as I mentioned, the thing I didn't like so much was the screen had a kind of a bad viewing angle. Mm -hmm. The brightness was fine, but the problem was so many other things about it were so good that that screen kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm. The great thing about this platform for me is that I reviewed it, but it's not in one and done because there are more cartridges coming. I'm actually looking forward to another set of cartridges coming out for this. I loved my Atari Lynx, the handheld Atari. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It was out in yeah. mid 80s or something. Mm -hmm. The Lynx cartridges they're re releasing for the Evercade. I can't wait to relive that kind of experience because that is a direct parallel. I played those on a handheld in right. my hand. And by the way, <laughs> it kind of had a bad screen. So this screen is going to service perfectly for the links <laughs> because I'll also have that same bad viewing angle that Atari did on that original console. But I think it's something we're probably going to touch on some more either YouTube or here uh, as more things come out because it's interesting. I haven't had something like this that I'm that interested in what it's doing in the future. Usually I like, I reviewed it and put it away and don't touch it again. And I have it with this. So the Evercade from Blaze, I mean, you can find it everywhere. We'll put a link in the show notes where you can both review and where you can check it out yourself on Amazon or somewhere. But now, George, before we leave Moe's Tech and Toys segment, there was something you and I were talking about that has kind of shifted a bit your attitudes toward uh, VPNs. Yeah, well, one particular VPN. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Uh -oh. We use them oftentimes to mask our identity from prying sources, right? You want to keep the things that you do out in the internet away from other people. Sure. Now, one of the big players in the VPN space, you see their commercials everywhere, is NordVPN. And that's the one you've used for a long time, right? I have. I have used them for about two and a half years. Oh, wow. Well, uh -oh. then they started spending money on commercials and uh -oh. they forgot about their service, it feels like. Their service has become so unreliable for me that I have to switch to a different server manually about every day and a half. That oh, wow. is ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's, that's crazy. No, this that's should be no. like a set and forget. Yeah, exactly. That's what a VPN should be, a set it and forget it. Now, the other problem is 
they don't do the type of traffic that I like to do when I go out to my public domain searches that everybody knows about. <laughs> they don't do that well. And that's what they sold themselves as. They were supposed to have things like SOX 5 transports. They used to have like 150 of those servers. They're down to 20 now. Oh, wow. They're just not providing the same service that they did. So knowing George, mm-hmm. when you get upset with a company, you start hardcore researching and finding another solution. And that's okay. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. I figured. I went to a lot of different websites, looked at a lot of different lists, looked at a lot of different YouTube videos, and I started to notice a trend that the smaller up-and-comer VPNs were putting more tools into their tool chest mm. than They're the trying big to get a ones foothold like Nord. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the market. Okay, sure. So Makes I sense. came across one that had been highly recommended on about three different lists. But also, I mean, you're looking at it for doing a little bit more than what maybe the average person cares about. Maybe, maybe. but not the average person who uses VPNs. I'm mm. probably pretty an average VPN yeah, user. That's fair okay. point. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. The one that I found is called Proton VPN, and I'm going to give you just a brief breakdown of the two different services. So both of them have applications that you install on your operating system that then encrypts your traffic right? Both of them also have applications you can install on a router or on your Android phone. And both of them offer different amounts of these types of applications that you're allowed to use for your fee. Okay. Right. Here's where NordVPN and ProtonVPN differ. The interface on NordVPN just says you're connected. That's it. That's all it says. Okay. Nothing. What else do I need to know? So ProtonVPN says, yes, you're connected. Here's what speeds we're getting for you. Here's how much you've downloaded through the VPN. Here's how much you've no, uploaded through the VPN. Uh, Here's where you're connected to. Yeah, <laughs> stats now for nerds. John is intrigued. <laughs> now I'm <Right>? interested. <laughs> On top of that, Proton VPN does something that all VPNs should do, but NordVPN, for whatever reason, the big Goliath out there has never done nor is interested in doing, and that's split tunnel VPN. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> I know everybody's like ghosts with split tunnel. What the Crickets. Hell? All right. So if you have a VPN and you have it turned on on your PC, all your traffic that goes through it is going to be a bit slower than what you're used to. Generally, about 40 to maybe even 50% slower than what you're used to. Yeah. Oh, at least. But yeah, you don't fair. necessarily want all your traffic going through the VPN. Like for me, I only want my public domain searches going through Got the it. VPN. I see where you're going. So split tunnel means I can pick what goes through the VPN and what doesn't? It does. And you can pick it ah. in two different ways. You can either say encrypt everything except for these things, don't encrypt them, or don't encrypt anything and only encrypt these things. You can do it either way. Oh, so you set the filter for do include or don't include. Exactly. Ah. And just that one part alone has made my life so easy. All right. So better features, better speed, cool stats, mm-hmm. split tunnel. What about a cost difference? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So the cost difference is Proton VPN is a bit more expensive. Either $5 on a monthly bill that's or $4 on an annual bill. If you feel pay for that. Yeah. Now that's for their paid service. Here's something else Proton VPN has a totally free service. Uh, it's got to be a certain cap, a bandwidth or something, right? So there is. Uh, you can only use it in certain countries, but the United States is one of them. And the speeds are slightly slower than their other speeds, but I tested it and their slower speeds are still faster than Nord's best speeds. Jeez. All right. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Mo, we're going to give you a link to throw down in the show notes Absolutely. to check out Proton VPN. Yeah, By interested. the way, not a paid endorsement at all. This is just our experience. If you check it out, there's not an affiliate link or anything. Just our experience that often we find our listeners can benefit from or warn them if it's something that's bad. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> 
feel like you're part of the Olympic action. Play McDonald's. When the U.S. wins, you win Olympic game. What's that, Mom? Basketball. The U.S. Then we win. When the U.S. wins a medal in the event on your game card, you win a Big Mac. Or regular fries. Or regular Coca-Cola. Or win up to $10,000 instantly. <laughs> Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Generation X game segment. Damn, I hurt segment, my own ears segment, that time. Segment, Shit. Segment, segment. <laughs> I, was I, know. I was doing an echo for you. <laughs> I need to learn to take the earphones out of my ear. You over intro and hurt yourself? Yeah, You're yeah. definitely getting old. <laughs> he pulls up but I threw my back out. <laughs> I always feel like I'm at like a monster truck rally or something, you know? Right. <laughs> Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> John used to be that guy. Yeah. Seats are $20, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Game. So we're all playing games. I don't know who to start with. I'm just going to randomly throw a coin up in the air. It looks like it landed on the heads of Mo. So Mo, what wow. game are you playing this week? <laughs> you beamed him. So I'm going to be talking about actually a collection of games that I bought. Ooh. Okay, Mo channeling George, cheating and doing extra things. <laughs> yes, right. I learn from the best. <laughs> I will allow it. So, but, um, and the reason is uh, it was a bundle that Steam was selling and it's a collection of FMV games. Oh, I know which one you bought. Yeah. I know which one you bought. Oh, because there's a game in there I love. Okay. For those who don't know, FMV basically stands for full motion video. Mm-hmm. It's like the Bandersnatch on Hell Netflix. Hell yeah, it does. Yes, what it is. <laughs> I bought it because it was a bundle of four of them. I've started to play. I haven't played all of them yet, but I'm kind of playing them in order of date when they're released because I suspect that they get technically better. They should get better. As yeah, they right. go along. So I said, let me start with what should be the worst. And if I like that, then I'll, <laughs> my experience should just improve as I go along. So two of them on your list are ones I've already talked about on the show. Yeah. yeah. So the only two I've played so far is The Bunker and Late Shift, which is yep. two of them. Late yeah. Shift is one yeah. of the ones Late we Shift is about. one of George's favorites. Yep. Yes. And then the other two that they have is called the shape-shifting detective mm-hmm. and the complex. And that's that the was the one. pandemic thing, right? Yes. That was the one yes. that you played about somebody getting sick in a lab, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I did the Bandersnatch thing and I did a couple other of these. So, But I was like, I don't know, something about these like seemed like intriguing to me. The whole bundle together was $40. Ooh, so it's like yeah. $10 a pop. Yeah, that's about right for those games. I mean, you're not getting much of a discount there, but... No, it was like normally they're like $14 or something like that. Right. So you get like a little bit of a discount. But I was really interested in this. And also I was kind of interested to see how how they got better. Well, at least I was hoping that they would get better. And so I did the bunker, and the bunker is basically one of those, there's a nuclear war, there's a bunch of people trapped in a bunker kind of thing. And but it's basically a person who, for some reason, he's the only one left. Ah, okay. This first one was fun because basically your things are going wrong in the bunker and you have to figure out how to fix them. And through 
that, you uncover the story about how you became the only person that was left around. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Neat little twist at the end. Oh, so you finished the bunker. You got totally finished it. Oh, I finished it. Yeah. It took me about- Okay. All done. Okay. Uh, yeah. To, to go do a single run through, because you know all these things, you could do multiple run throughs. Right. They're not super long, because they're all full motion video. You got only got X amount of it there. They have multiple yeah. endings. And then sure. Every time. And some of them, yeah. you can even go totally different paths. Mm-hmm. But the bunker took me uh, about an hour and a half to get through, which I said, OK, okay that, I felt like I got my money's worth out of that. You know, an hour and a half of entertainment. It's kind of like, like a decent little game session. Sure. Now, would I go back and redo it? Eh, probably not. OK. <laughs> because that first one wasn't quite as, like, the, the branches didn't branch that far. Less variety, maybe not as polished. Right, exactly, older, right? exactly. OK. And yep. then, so you know about the late shift. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So I played through that one. Pissed me off. Really? <laughs> well, no, no, no. It pissed me off because the way it ended, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. You know, now, that one now i haven't gone through any kind of second run through now a weakness i find in this is that you have to go all the way back to the beginning to replay it yeah well that's true yeah you know i I would like to see where i could go back to a certain decision point and just branch from there and keep going having Mm. to go all through everything again just seems very long to me so i'll probably be a little bit before i do it well in fairness though if if you were able to do that that would make the decisions a little less impactful because you could always just that's a good point that's true yeah um but having said that i have to tell you that i don't know where these other branches would have taken me but some of those decision points, I agonized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you can. do. I'm sitting yep. there, I'm like, uh, 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 and then I did it. I'm like, was this the right way? I don't know. Yeah, you know, which is to me what the, they should do, right? I should, <laughs> if I don't feel that, then it's probably not a good game. Yeah, they're doing their job. They're right? doing their job. Uh, the acting is really good. Mm-hmm. I thought the scenes and the way they set it up, it, it seemed like I was doing like as good a quality as like the Bandersnatch thing on Netflix. Really? As a matter of fact, I would say it's a little bit better. This late shift seems like it has, and I don't know, George, you probably told me better. It has a ton of branches. There's like eight or nine endings or something. Yeah, I think there's 12 different endings and yeah. over 100 scenes that you can find. And they tell Ooh, you, wow, like, here you found a- this many scenes and you did mm-hmm. this and you did that. Oh, they tell you what you're still missing. <laughs> and it's cool because like how you behave toward people affects how they react to you later. Of course. Sure. As it which should. is also like, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. Like your things you do early impact things six or seven scenes later because now that person mm. doesn't trust and you. And that's something that we've seen from other games too. Like think about the Walking Dead Telltale stuff, yeah. right? That's, you know, or um, John, our favorite one. Life is Strange, yeah. Life is Strange. I mean, Mm -hmm, that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's that same kind of thing. Your early decisions impact the rest of your story. They come back to haunt you later. So the thing about this is like, to me, it's almost like I'm watching a movie or a TV show and I'm able just to sort of influence it, which to me is kind of enjoyable because now it's like you you feel a bit more vested in what's going on now because it's your fault (laughs) in a way, you know, that, you know, it's my fault that I didn't stop her from doing blah, blah, blah. And that's why she got shot, you know, or something, you know. The fact that... That I like these type of games is all John's fault. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, no. I know. Yeah, because Phantasmagoria. back in the day, Phantasmagoria 2, Puzzle <laughs> of the Flesh, we sat there and played it like, holy shit, you know, it was awesome. But there were also other ones, John, of this ilk that like you showed me a link that I had already found the other day where somebody took an old FMV game called Star Trek Borg. Yeah, they, and they stripped they out all the stripped video. Out just, all the choices. Here, watch it. <laughs> here's the film <laughs> yeah. of Star Trek Borg, which was really cool. There was a Klingon one as well. Yeah, yeah. Now they're getting more complex and their professionalism, the look of the filming and the locations and the acting and everything is so good it's just mind-blowing now there are some that are stinkers yeah and you're gonna run into some of them though oh i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> but they're still a lot of fun to play i, I kind of figured so you ended up with four of them yes. basically what you're looking at is 10 bucks a piece so 40 bucks for the set right that's not yeah. that's not an unfair price for those it, to me it's almost like it's like i feel like i'm paying for a movie it's a different kind of game for sure it's more movie like the yeah. experience mm-hmm. right yeah and to me it's like you know if i could pay 10 bucks and if i get a couple solid hours of just really entertaining 
stuff. I'm okay with that, actually. Like a movie, right? Yeah, you pay exactly. 10 bucks to go watch a movie, right? Yeah. And plus, this does have some replayability, you know, so I could go back and experience it differently. Well, not for Mo, who said he wouldn't replay it. But for some people, yes. No, that first one. The bunker, I would. <laughs> oh, just that one. Okay. Just the bunker. Late shift, I Late want shift, to. Late shift, you would, right. But that took a while to get through. That took a couple hours. And these are all done by the same company, Wales Interactive. And they do some other types of games, but this seems like they're putting a lot of into this full motion video stuff. They're so focusing on this one. I think they're fun if yeah. you enjoy this kind of thing, or if you actually, if you're not sure, they have like some one-offs you could buy for like six, seven bucks. Sure. It'll okay. definitely give you a feel for it. So I'd recommend them for sure. They are fun. Yeah, I yeah, enjoy absolutely. those. So how about you, John? What have you been up to? Well, I alluded to uh, back in the tech segment that we've been playing with the Evercade. And one of the things about this cartridge-based system that I mentioned is they're doing publishers. So what you end up getting is titles that you knew very, very well. And then they're mixing in titles that either maybe you just didn't get exposed to or were never released in your region. They're working on translating things that maybe only appeared in Japan or something like that. Oh, wow. And so there was a game on the cartridge. It was a cartridge number two called the Namco Collection One. And it had a game from Namco called Libble Rabble. Huh? That old chestnut, uh? Libble Rabble. Of course, we all know that one from our history playing games. <laughs> I had never, ever heard of this game. Yeah. What I did was a video where I walked through and said, let's look at every game that's on this cartridge and see what kind of what the value of the cartridge is to review it. Titles I'd never heard of before. There was like an ATV off-road four-wheeler game, yawn, some stuff. Okay, yeah, and I was right. ready to go, oh, Libble Rabble. It's something they threw on there because they had the license to it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. First, <laughs> let me just say... It was written by a guy you may have heard of named Toro Iwatani, who created oh, yeah. Pac-Man. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Kind of heard of him. his arm bit off in pixels. Yeah, that he guy. did. That's the same guy. Yep. <laughs> so this came out in 83 after Pac-Man. It was written by the guy that wrote Pac-Man. It's not just derivative of Pac-Man. It's not a maze thing. The concept is kind of silly. It's a dual stick game, kind of like Robotron. Mo, Mo just woke okay. up, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. Robotron. Okay. You piqued my interest. <laughs> but rather than moving with one stick and firing with another, what you have is you have these two little arrows on the screen, two cursors, and between you is a line, a rope. Okay. Around the playboard are these pegs sticking up out of the ground and monsters running around. And what you need to do is move the cursors around to stretch the rope to make a complete circuit around the monsters. And when you do, oh. then it's like kicks. Like you claim that area of the screen, all the monsters inside of it die, they go away. Like Pac-Man, they actually go back to their pen, oh. they come back out and attack you later. And they keep changing the different monsters. Some can bite your rope so it breaks. Some of the monsters you can you don't hurt you. They're just, you claim them for points and they change the pattern of the pegs that are on the ground. So you're, you can't always do the same pattern of rope. You Some of them are triangular and some of them have fewer pegs. And it's a really creative game that frankly came out of 1983. It was like a game from a really? parallel universe that had never made it to the United States. What a neat why. thing to discover. That sounds interesting. Well, there's a lot of games like that that never made it over this country because they didn't feel like they would play well over here. Because remember at this point, of course, yeah. they were still trying to figure out what worked well in the Japanese market what worked well in the American market companies, as we saw in that series high score, you know, companies were just developing these oh, different right. strategies back yeah, then. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it feels like a Japanese game. Like it's kind of overly cutesy, uh, like uh, much of kind of that uh, kind of anime, kind of like big eyed mm -hmm. kind of thing. It looked like Bubble Bobble. If you look at the characters from that, it reminded me of that a bit. But I keep going back to this again and again. I fired it up in MAME. And of course, in MAME, I have two joysticks, which is awesome. So I can move the two pieces around. There's something just really awesome for me that the game design obviously is super solid. It came from a guy who knows how to write engaging uh, arcade mm -hmm. style games. 
It reminds me a lot of quantum draw circle around you know, sparks oh, yeah, yeah. in space yep, yep, yep. or kicks where you had to draw, you know, and mm-hmm. avoid you're the, trying to take the board 75% yeah, of the board. Yeah. So yeah. it really combines a lot of those theories. I wouldn't be surprised if those got their inspiration from Libble Rabble. Maybe they saw it and I didn't back in the day, but it's encouraging to know there are great titles like that, that I thought I'd seen it all, right? Or mostly or what's worth seeing, like, at least a lot of garbage out there, but there's still gems like this. And thanks to the Evercade, I came across it. It's made its way to the top 10 games that I fire up when I'm bored to play now. It's really cool. Wow. It came out 83? 83. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Who knew? Wow. Yeah. And the ROM I have in MAME is still in Japanese, but you don't need to read it. You know, it never got, <laughs> never got localized for the U.S. Now, while I was playing Libble Rabble, periodically I would see in the corner of my screen a little pop-up that says, George is playing the Mean Greens. George oh. is playing the Mean Greens. <laughs> so in the back of my mind, I'm like, let's see. Last week we did something that started with an L. He's working on his new installment for this A to Z of Steam games. <laughs> yeah. And Mean Greens starts with an M. It's got to be. It was. And yep, that's what I was wasting. I mean, using my time. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I figured you either loved it or you were fighting with it. I didn't know which it was, and I was waiting to ask you here. I was definitely fighting with it. Oh, um, all right. So this game appealed to me simply by the title, The Mean Greens Plastic Warfare, and they have mm-hmm. little army men on the logo. So I'm like, I love army men. That's yep. awesome. Yep, I want to yep. play a game that plays with army men. They just basically bastardized my childhood in this oh, game. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I'll, I'll read you the description. Okay. It says, yeah. take part of history's greatest battle of green versus tan. Fight amongst and against others online. Jump, shoot, and roll your way into victory with fast-paced objective-based gameplay. Sometimes the greatest battles are fought by the smallest of soldiers. Okay, that sounds good. Aww. You can probably figure out from that description that this is another one of those games where it's just like five versus five people trying to capture the flag or shoot each other. That's what it boils down to. Okay. And in Steam, you know that sometimes Sometimes when you install a game, they have a little symbol up there. This is good for a joystick or this is good for a keyboard, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for this game, it had a joystick. I'm like, perfect. You perfect, know, that yeah. I That's want to play with that. And from what they're describing, no. That's some bullshit. Let me tell you. Oh, really? This game is completely meant for a mouse keyboard combination. When you first go through the tutorial, which I'm happy to finally be playing a game again that has a tutorial section, uh-huh. you're going through and it's like you come up to the next thing you have to do and, you know, they always give you the little symbol. Do this to do that, right? Yep. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Press the right control button to crouch or, right. you know, press the left trigger button to fire, whatever. So in this game, when they do that, it's all keyboard or mouse. Oh, really? They'll give you the command. controller. <laughs> because the controller can't do all of the commands that are available in the game. There oh. are not enough buttons oh, on God. your controller PS4. deal breaker. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if you can only do like 80% of the stuff. So like one of them, enter a vehicle, press the E and there's no button that it corresponds. Now you can remap stuff. I will give them that. They have the ability to remap. But again, there's so many commands in that list. There's no way in hell you're going to be able to fit it onto only, an Xbox One controller or a PS4 or whatever. Only so many buttons. It's just okay, not going to yeah. work. Okay. On top of that, this game came out in 2015. Okay, not that long ago. It's taxing my system a little bit. What? Which I have a really nice alien system and so I think it's just poorly written I oh. think that it's just not doing well with the memory usage or CPU or whatever so that was a little disappointing right. the Strike tutorial two. was difficult <laughs> yeah. you know, to get through really? but then the tutorial 
really doesn't prepare you for the game at all because the game when you start playing it's really just one of those five versus five games where you're running around trying to kill people protect your unit grab a flag or what the hell ever that's all it boils so down how to. are we capitalizing on the little green army men that was the part yeah, i was most they interested are just in there they are just the skin of the creatures that are running around in the game you could have made them anything else and it would have been the same and they're just game. like running around Doesn't the woods matter. or running on a battlefield and well they're in the right environments like the one server i was able to find that was actually active i there was 50 servers listed on the play now list sure only one of them had people in it it was one from europe and it's apparently a little boy's bedroom and you're on a train (laughs) that's circling around the bedroom and your whole objective is to get to a part of the train to grab the cookies that are on the train and then the other team was firing at us from inside the train track like they were off in the boys room and at least they try to theme it to match the army men they skimmed the whole thing it's like toy story kind of right it's the green army men from toy story they'd like it to be well that's what i wanted it to be yeah that's not how it came across now it's got very positive reviews like i said it came out in 2015 so i'm probably just not its target audience so there are people out there who like those type of games that will enjoy this probably but there were nine people playing in every server combined total. So there's not a lot there's of people not out there enough playing out there. This. You need some homies huh. to play with or you're not going to play probably. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. But would you even want huh. to do that? I George wouldn't. Not for the price. <laughs> I don't think I would. Yeah. I mean, it's not a horribly expensive game. I'll go through the the stir, the Nats for Sturs, Sturs for Nats, whatever, Stats for Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> whatever stats for phrase John. we want to use. Yeah. Yeah. It currently costs $4.99 on Steam. So it's right in that almost it's instant okay. buy yeah. realm. I got it on the humble unreal engine bundle which tells you what they used to build the game obviously yeah i bought it in 2016 so about a year after it came out i paid four dollars for the bundle there were 12 items in the bundle so Ah. each item cost me 33 cents nice and cheap yeah (laughs) good now i tried to be really fair with my rating i realized that i'm probably not the target audience my son would probably enjoy playing this more than i would because i just don't enjoy those games but i gave it a 2.75 so two and three quarters tokens out of five okay so not a stinker but definitely not for you yeah it's one that i could recommend to people who enjoy those types of games but other than that i would all right actually i played a game it was a while back called army men Mm -hmm. which was that's another game yeah and but that one i i really enjoyed that one that was was like uh sarge's heroes wasn't that part of that uh yeah yeah yes it was yeah Yeah. yep i remember that one that's from the 90s though yeah, Not that's that. a bit okay. a while. Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay. Well, that's yeah. kind of disappointing. All right, so we've made it up to the M's now. And Halfway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we made it this is far. So where are we at? What do we paid so far for all of these titles? Oh, where are we well, at? you know, I didn't know that you were going to ask that, so I haven't yes, calculated. No, I'm just kidding. You of course knew that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so far, total, if I've bought each bundle individually, even though some of them I've used multiple times, I have spent $145 on the bundles. Okay. I would have spent $169 on the games, but However, per game, the total cost of each one of these games individually right now is at $4.89. <laughs> I love we made it through here and we're like, great games, so-so games, couple of duds here and there, and I've spent under five bucks. Yeah, and <laughs> like if I bought these games individually versus what I paid for them because of the Humble Bundles, I've saved $164. Why is Humble Bundle not an advertiser? I don't understand. We're doing a long-form commercial for them. It's <laughs> yeah, <absolutely>. right. yeah. <laughs> they just don't seem to be interested in me, I guess. I don't know. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you've got all these keys. We've been doing some giveaways. Actually, the last one we gave away, the, the guy who won, he actually wrote us a review that we're working 
working on uh, putting together now. It's going to make it to our website shortly. We'll we'll share yes. that with you when it's ready. But we have another giveaway, George. Yes, we do. Okay, what do we got? This is for the game called Overgrowth. I've heard of it. Have you? Good. I've heard, 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 have. heard this one. Yep. Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> so, but we have the Steam key for it. <laughs> I don't know really what subject line we should come up with for this one because. How about the subject line is Sarge's Heroes, the good Green okay. Army men game. That's a long subject line. Holy shit. No, no, no. Just Sarge's Heroes. That's it. Okay. Sarge's Heroes. <laughs> Sarge's <laughs> Heroes are really good army men put up by blah, blah, blah. No. <laughs> you, you can put as much of that as you like in the subject as long as Sarge's Heroes is there. <laughs> and guess what, folks? You play as a martial arts expert who is also a rabbit. Of course. All right. Yes. I'm sold. I'm looking at the little video now. He's cute. It's funny. I'm my email ready. Oh, I, I'm not old. <laughs> you can't win, Mo. So, sorry. And it's not a cheap game, by the way. This game costs $30 on Steam right now. Woo. What a bargain. All right. So if you would like to be a ninja rabbit, hit us up at <laughs> podcast at genxgrownup.com with Sarge's heroes in the subject line. And if you're the first one, you will be the proud owner of a key for overgrowth. All right, cool. I'll keep an eye on the inbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When people set about fixing things, they naturally head for Sears. You'll find craftsman hand tools like these guaranteed forever in more toolboxes, craftsman mowers and more backyards, weather beater paint on more brushes, more people clean up with a Kenmore washer than any other. They're all America's best sellers. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on, it wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on CannedAirPodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. As we make our way toward the back half of the show here, we'd like to take a moment to talk about what we're looking forward to between now and the next time we get together for the show. And I know that... Movie theaters starting to open, but they're just trickling out some stuff, some content in there. A lot of old stuff right now. Yeah, not like it used to be. So, George, I'll start with you. What are you looking forward to, either theater or otherwise? Well, before I tell you what I'm looking forward to, I actually have to thank Mo for helping me to find it. I used that app that Mo mentioned. Oh, cool. The next episode? The next episode app? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Uh yeah. And I just went, okay, shows that are coming out in the next so on, and I scrolled up the list. Oh, that one looks kind of interesting. Boom, there's a trailer, there's a synopsis, tells you exactly when it's going to come out, what it's going to be on. I'm like, I started using that too. Good job. So the series is called Away, and it's on Netflix, and it comes out on September 4th. The storyline is essentially an astronaut who has to leave her family behind as she goes out on a mission. Okay. She's going to command an, an international space crew embarking on a treacherous year-long mission. Oh. And so the whole series is about hope and humanity and all the trials and tribulations she's going to go through. So I think nice. it's going to be a really fun little series. It looks interesting to me and it was on the app. So I said, sure, I'll throw it in looking forward and we'll find out what it's whether it's good or not. Huh. <laughs> it's a little bit like, there's like a thread from Interstellar in there a little bit, right? So somebody had Could to leave be. in their family for whatever. Yeah, maybe. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Space flight's always fun. Mo, how about you i mean thanks for the next episode i've been using that as well okay cool. so what are you looking forward to that you found through next episode or other methods well i found through other but okay this is because it's been advertised every freaking where sure it's yep. the boys season two. Oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's dropping uh september 4th now they changed up they're not dropping all the episodes at once now oh really i don't know if you heard huh. this i did not yeah they're spacing them out which pissed me off but that's fine i don't care yeah it's all right i got enough i think shit that's a watch. i think that's a covid <laughs> reaction thing that some of these streaming services Let's spread our content 
thin out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they create new content as easily right now. Yeah. That's, a good That's a good point. That's a good point. But I really enjoyed the first season of The Boys. Oh, yeah. It was it good. It made me want to go back. I read the comics, which are very different, but entertaining True. in a different way. <laughs> yeah. And the first season ended on a weird, dark note, too. Like, it yeah. really, like, you thought they were kind of like questionable ethics people, and they really just sealed the deal at the uh, finale. Oh, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. So from what I've heard, like, you know, there's some new people coming in. The, the yep. general plot line seems interesting. I'm not sure exactly what it all entails. But after the first season, though, I knew I was going to watch the second one. No yeah, I'm a what, customer. So. For sure. Yep. You know, so I'm definitely going to be going for it. How about you, John? What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to a movie that I've been looking forward to for probably 20 years now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which is the third installment in the Bill and Ted franchise. We actually oh, have Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. This is happening. I, it's one of those things they kept saying, well, there ought to be a third Bill and Ted. There ought to be a third Bill and Ted, you know? And then, of course, we lost uh, George, George Carlin, Carlin, so we didn't have oh, a Rufus. But finally, Bill and Ted Face the Music is going to be released both in theaters and on streaming the day after wow. this show releases, August 28th. I can't wait to watch it twice. I, I'm so excited <laughs> for this. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but it's one of those things that it's such a slice of growing up, both the 80s and the 90s, as those kind of, you know, in that era, we had a couple movies that were just weird campy universe of time travel and goofiness. I can't wait to see. And plus this resurgence of kind of older actors going back to revisit roles from their youth. Uh, you know, we did it with Star Wars, of course. We've done it with so many other franchises, but I never thought Bill and Ted would happen and it did. And I, I'm just I just so want to see whether Bill or Ted has a minivan. That's all I want to know. I almost have to. <laughs> It seems almost a requirement. And the whole premise from the first two films is their stupid band, Wild Stallions, was going to write music to save the the world, the universe. Right. And Mm -hmm. here they are in their later years, and they haven't done it yet. And they're facing the music. How do they finally have to deal with the fact that they have this legacy to, uh, this prophecy to uphold, and they haven't done it. So really exciting. Finishing the story, I hope. Uh, That's tomorrow, if you're listening to the release day. (laughs) They better. I don't think we're going to get a fourth one. That's right. That's enough. <laughs> Denny's introduces a weekday morning special. Denny's Build a Breakfast, only $1.99. Choose your favorite juice, your favorite style of eggs, your favorite breakfast meat, and your favorite breakfast side dish. Then put them all together for only $1.99. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us, they'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy, plus you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. That is going to wind up this edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. Before we leave, I want to take a moment here toward the end to give our gratitude to all the folks that support us financially over on Patreon. I mean, we're just a little uh, kind of mom and pop thing, but we have bills and these people pay the bills. They keep gas not in the it. tank for us. <laughs> I'm not the mom. You're not the I'm mom? Just saying. Okay. I'm not the mom. <laughs> you could be pop. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but literally, they can take a few bucks every single month to support what we do and help pay the bills and keep us cooking here on the 
podcast over on YouTube and on the website. And I want to thank each and every one of you individually. Agile, Chad, Thomas, Mike C., Levi, Steen, David, Greg, L. Lee, Chewbacca, Davis, Chet, Dan, Matt, Jason, Greg, Z, T2, Travis, Shelby, Blasted, or Stash, Arlem, Marcus, Adam, Jonathan, H., Mark, Sean, Dana, Slow-Mo, Tony, Ben, and Stu Monkey. All our collection of amazing patrons. George, if one of our fourth listeners would like to support us and have not yet done so, would you tell them how they can go about getting that done? I will do my best, sir. All they have to do is go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon, click a couple of buttons, sign up, create an account if you don't already have one with Patreon, and then send us your hard-earned dollar. Send us $1, we love you, you love us. Send us $2, we love each other doubly as much. Send us $3, you get into all that background scene stuff where you get to see what my mullet looked like in 1992. <laughs> send us $5, and that's where you get into the personalized Gen X grown-up swag, uh, puzzle cubes, or whatever else we can send you. We're happy to do so. But we appreciate everything you can donate to us because it really does help keep the lights on here, and more importantly, it helps to inspire us to keep doing this every single week. We appreciate it. Damn straight. Well said, George. Thank you. Yes, very well said. That is going to wrap it up for this show. We'll be back in two weeks with another edition, but next week is the backtrack. We pick a single nostalgic topic to dig in deep on. Mo, tell the fine fourth listeners what we got coming for them next week. Yeah, next week. So it's kind of timely, although it's going to be more different than we expect, (laughs) than we thought when we first planned this. but weird. Yeah, Yeah, but weird. It's going to be about the Gen X school experience and how it differs from today. And it's going to be very different now, apparently. Yeah, everything from our mimeograph machines to oh, yeah. how we had PE to just how we learn in school. Yeah. yeah. And wh- how we learn things differently even. Yeah. Or not at all. Or not at all. <laughs> or, or, or don't remember what we learned if you're getting old. That could be too. <laughs> don't miss that one. That's next week. Until then, I am John. Mo, thank you so much for being here. Oh man, always fun. George, you know I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Fourth listener though, we appreciate you most of all and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. You know, like, uh, you know, Journey Smollett, who was in, like, she was in the, uh, let's see, she was in the, um. Are you sure you watched this? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can tell you about the show. I'm trying to talk about some <laughs> All right, I didn't cut you off there, did I? No, no, no. I, cover everything? Well, I felt like I was talking too long anyway. We're good. Well, I, I can, I can, you know, I always kind of make it fit. Yeah, That's there's cool. probably like 10 minutes out of that you should cut. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll keep all the best parts. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.